You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Vivian Griffin. Vivian, thanks so much for being with me today. Well, my pleasure. Vivian, we're talking on June 2nd in 2022, and um, I know you're in the middle of getting your PhD and a number of other things, but to begin with, what are you working on now in your in your studio? I know you probably have a, a few things going on at once, but to jump right into your work and projects, what's what's happening at the moment? At the moment, I am working on a piece that was part funded by um, Somerset House Studios, where I'm based in London at the moment, and that piece is under a kind of a working title called Mercy. And it's um, it's a collaboration with someone from the law department in King's College, and um, she's a researcher working on the introduction of um, or the use of algorithms in the judicial system. So I was thinking a bit more broadly about how we engage with algorithms in our everyday lives and how little we basically understand how you know how how little we understand how they function and the kind of ever widening gap between the complexity of this um, engagement with computers and this lack of knowledge of how it all really works. So I'm making a, um, a video work and it's based in, um, it's made by, with an engine called Unreal Engine, which is a game engine. And um, I'd say it's like a, it's like a game a game slash video that you kind of uh, you can either play or or the outcome will be a, a video work as well um, that tries to visualize algorithmic structures in a game environment. That's a little bit of well, that sounds that, that, that sounds very kind of complicated and hard to visualize that and and really interesting because of course yeah algorithmic structures uh, are, are in our lives every day. They're delivering content on our phone automatically and everywhere else. Um, how how are the the algorithmic structures visualized? How does that collaboration work? This is an interactive game essentially, or, or and or a video. It will be teaching people uh, in, in a sense about well, this kind of complex world of algorithmic structures and how it affects us. Well, there's two kind of main outcomes, and that's why I was hesitating saying it's a game and a video, because one of them is, is actually just like a self-contained artwork that's going to be a, a video um, work that has exports of game walkthroughs, so you walkthroughs of the environment. But I'm also making, um, I'm focusing a lot on making generative music with algorithms. Um, and that's a more recent thing for me, actually, um, so I've always used my voice in my work as well, singing and spoken word, and, and separately I've used, I've made electronic sound, and now I'm kind of putting my vocal works through algorithms to get sound. So that would be the sound for the game. And then the, the game environment itself. Um, so one of the first things I started thinking about was was stairs and steps because I've been talking to a programmer and I'm not a programmer so I'm coming from the point of view of someone who uses algorithms without really knowing how they function so I have to go in very blind to this whole uh, 
you know, from the perspective of computer science, I went in not knowing that much. So um, I thought it was a good point of entry, actually, for what I was trying to do, because I had to find my own way through it and then kind of explain what I found. So one of the first things I looked at was um, steps and looking at, like, um, thinking about decision tree algorithms. So you'd take a flight of stairs and then you'd have to either go left or right and then you'd get another flight of stairs and there'd be more left or right. So it was structures like that in the game environment. But then I, the more I talk to people who kind of do programming as well, the more I realized there's this black box element that a lot of the time the data gets so large or the algorithms get so complex that there's this kind of blind... Uh, you know, the outcome occurs, but nobody can really explain how it happened in some in some respects. And algorithmic accountability is something that a lot of people are doing research on. But so then I came up with these maze structures where you're you're walking around a maze, and you can't see where you're going. But I did. I got a student to play it one day from King's. Really, and. Um, so myself and the research from the law department, we did a walkthrough on it and the student immediately jumped on top of one of the walls and started walking around the top of the maze. So she she kind of cracked the uh, game really quickly. So I'm going to do some redesigning there, but it was really interesting to getting outside people to do walkthroughs in it and see how they kind of break it um, and see flaws that I didn't see when I was building it. So that's one side of that will be that some of her walkthroughs will be in the video work and there'll be an opportunity for the researcher to then describe um, parallels in her research around algorithms in the judicial system with this visualization. Part of the complexity of her research is she's explaining to policymakers how she's trying to explain to like law policymakers how algorithms work and it just there's a very big gap and I think it's really you know, it's an ever um, kind of widening gap that we all encounter on a regular basis that we we engage with systems or, you know, our phones is a very obvious one, social media is another very obvious one, but we don't really know how it works. And then there's this anthropomorphization of this, these algorithms, like they know, they know what they're doing or they... You know, the, I mean, you're familiar with that description around algorithms where you kind of think it knows you or think it knows what it's doing. Well, right. I mean, one, one, the example that comes to mind for me is, you know, uh, being happy with the recommendations I'm served for music or books based on the interests I have, the, the, the feeling is the algorithm knows me, it knows what I want, it knows what I want to buy, and it delivers it to me. Is, is that what you mean? Yeah, sort of like that, but it's also like, yeah, exactly like that. Um, I mean, there was one, there was a protest in in London a while ago because um, some of the exam results were decided on by algorithms after after lockdown, after the pandemic, and kids weren't able to, students weren't able to sit exams, and these are like younger students, so they got algorithms to decide the outcome of their results and one of the protest signs was um, made by a young student said your algorithm doesn't know me and I think there's this sense that we're getting fed information um, content that 
is supposed to be serving us, but actually it's censoring our world. And honestly, that isn't my, my field, but my perspective is, is from the perspective of engaging with this ever-increasing kind of, you know, um, these systems that are ever more embedded in my daily life, but I don't know how they work, and I don't know how much they're changing my, my behavior or how much they're changing my, my view of the world based on, you know, most of our lives being mediated through the internet or through phones. So I'm, I'm really interested in it from a, the perspective of someone who doesn't have a computer science degree but feels that something's not right and wants to, to see how I can kind of understand it from my perspective and understand it from a, a more broader social perspective. But I, to say I don't know anything about it is I do do a little bit of coding within game engines, but it's, it's still it's a very, very complex um, world to delve into from the outside. And it's been super interesting, but it is, it's, there's quite a learning curve, and I think a lot of people aren't prepared to go on that. So how do you kind of then convey that information if people aren't prepared to do all this labor and understanding uh, what we're engaging with? And that's what you're helping with is, is, is that exact moment, right, that, that, that this labor we resist, but the work you're doing, the, the videos and more are, are assisting with that understanding. Yeah, in some ways, but also I wanted, um, there's, there's outcomes that aren't didactic as well. There's outcomes that are more like experimenting with more abstract visual language. And then again, music and sound and experimental sound for me is something that is really amazing in that environment because um, because there's so much uh, like unknown territory in it. I can't really get. I don't. I don't want to do something didactic or something purely educational. It's still an an artwork, and for me, an artwork should have the foundations of like. For me personally, my practice. I like a, um, maybe a, a research practice to begin with but then I like to sort of untether it from that and allow it to begin to take on its own form and then at some point inform me in a way that I hadn't you know um, planned or yeah I think that that happens quite a lot when I when I engage with artwork I start off with something quite solid and concrete and then partway through the process you just have to allow it to to evolve in its own way and it then pays back and informs you so there's a lot of uh so using sound in that environment is something that's quite important and really connected to my phd and tell me about the phd that you're um yeah hoping to complete next year right in 2023 uh, the PhD is the research about exactly that, what we're discussing now, and how algorithms are are understood or or not understood by the public. I don't think so. Actually, it's kind of like that's like one project within it, I guess. Um, but it started out 
by me thinking about how thinking a lot about noise and noise in relation to noise music and like maybe electronic sound and electronic music and um, experimental there's, I guess there's like a space in um, between fine art and music and it's a, there's, there's this kind of um, in a Venn diagram I suppose there's that little space in the middle of where um, certain work can exist in an experimental music environment and also in a fine art space so it might be a fine art practice that's connected to sound or an experimental music practice that's connected to um, maybe installations or or video or something like that and they cross over really easily into each other's space and that's basically where I work that's the area that I work and within that I've been thinking about noise and noise as a metaphor for um, algorithmic noise let's say so um, even just in terms of like prolific levels of content that we have to engage with or that we choose to engage with I choose to engage with on a daily basis and in my life this kind of sense that it's quite a noisy environment a chaotic and noisy environment and I've been looking for parallels between noise as a metaphor in that sense and noise in actual um, sound and noise qualities in sound uh, I guess like it would be a place where music moves where it could move um, a little bit away from musicality and more into pure noise pure abstraction does that make sense it's yeah i mean it's 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 an abstract idea and it's and it's fascinating but that i that i this idea of 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 noise and even how that's read that relates to the idea of of algorithms and the noise that they are that we sometimes can and and, and can't read because algorithms are also or am i stretching it algorithms are also this noise a representation of it aren't they or or no yeah, I think I think they are, but for me, I guess it's a new point of entry that I've just like come across because I think I'd always been working um from the perspective of someone who engages with algorithms a lot in like either music, um electronic music, electronic sound and code like um, visual coding through game engines but I hadn't really it had been a, a, a sort of a, a screen that I hadn't seen behind and now more recently because of this project that I, I started um, that I opened with describing the, the project that, um, called Mercy because I've been dealing with people who are let's say just behind the screen a little bit more I've now started to see this connection in my work, so it's a new, a new um, connection that I've made, I guess, but one that I'm really interested in cultivating. And one of the common threads in it all is this point where the human and the computer kind of have a grey area a little bit, and um, in our 
interaction inter- in our reactions, in our emotions, in our, like, how, I guess, how we're connected and seamless. And I guess a gray area is a really good way to think about it. But, um, yeah, recently as well, I've been doing quite a lot of, like, quite singer song writing type um, forms of music and then I'm putting them through generative algorithms and it's this really interesting interaction where something really acoustic and raw and human suddenly gets twisted and transformed based on what I've I've asked it to do um, and if you randomize it and it gets sent back to you it's kind of it's a really surprising way for me I feel like to engage with um, computing and computers but if you get my perspective isn't isn't really from the point of you know computer science it's more from someone who's always engaged with um, as we all do with um, artificial intelligence but well, it's a, it's, a, it's a collaborative approach, isn't it? And, as, and as, as, as I understand you're saying, I mean, that, that you are collaborating with, with AI or algorithms as, as we all, knowingly or unknowingly, also collaborate to some extent by being immersed in, in a kind of algorithmic culture? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one thing that I found is whenever I try to describe this or talk about it in my work and talk about it to other people, it always fell really flat really, really quickly because I think the conversations become really binary. It's good, it's bad, or it becomes really, um, you know, there's people who understand it very deeply and I can't speak their language fully, like someone who's a programmer or a computer scientist. And um, so they, you know, they see me as coming from like an entry-level point, but whereas when you start using it in within um, with sound it very quickly sort of shows its complexity but it's also it's still got the human voice in it but it's 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 being twisted and changed in a way that's a little bit unpredictable it's really fun as well <laughs> I've really enjoyed it because it could, it's like randomizing algorithms in Max MSP, and again, it's something I just started recently in my um, in my PhD as well. It's something I always wanted to get to, but I don't know why I waited so long. But maybe because I use lots and lots of other software, it's just you just can't get to everything. Um, it's it's surprising. It's really it sort of reveals itself a lot more than it does um, from the perspective of like thinking about algorithms and social media. That's still really really abstract. But when you put your voice in and maybe you randomize an algorithm to do something and you just press go, something really interesting starts to happen. And it's very, it's enriching from the perspective of like, you know, a listener and, you know, engaging with um, computing or computers in this way that feels really enriching. So I really like that aspect of it. So it shows like potential that sort of sometimes feels like it's been wiped out by, you know, how the internet has been co-opted. Um, 
maybe it like speaks to the early days of the internet a little bit. I like that. That is clear on a on a, on a complex subject. It's, it has so many layers, as you're saying. Um, and that's really such a fascinating research topic and uh, and, and studio practice uh, topic. I I want to ask you one more question, a little off topic, which is, what are you reading at the moment? Actually, I'm reading a little bit for I'm I my PhD is actually in a music department, which has been really, really interesting because I studied fine art and I've been in fine art all of my life until um, I started my PhD and it's in a music department. So I'm reading a book called Sing, Singing the Body Electric and it is basically, I think it's really recently published and it's about um, rec- how the voice has been recorded from early cassette tapes onwards to today. So it's just thinking about um, the voice and recording technology. Um, That's what I'm on at the moment, among many other positive things that I'm hoping to get to at some point, but that's the main main one. Well, Vivian, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. I wish you well with your, your PhD, of course, this coming year, and also upcoming exhibitions and more thank you so much Vivian thank you you're listening to Yale Radio WYBC this is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists architects curators and more <laughs>